to another episode of In Moments Like These with David Graham. David is a speaker, author, businessman, former pastor, and founding director of Youth of a Mission, Montana. We believe that God is at work, constantly tugging at our hearts, working in and through relationship around us. Join us as we dive into a new devotional, as David shares a lifetime of personal moments and hopes to inspire you to see God the Father at work in your own moments. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of In Moments Like These. I remember that it was a cold afternoon in early February of 1994. During the same week that Kathy and I attended the National, the Presidential Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., when she and I stood close together and stared up at a giant figure in front of us. It was the image of perhaps the most iconic individual in all of American history. Standing 19 feet tall and weighing 175 tons, the famous statue of the 16th President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, sitting in a huge chair positioned in the chamber of the Lincoln Memorial, is one of the most impressive and thought-provoking works of art that I, that we, had ever laid eyes on. And it was because of the character of the man that the statue represented, and because of his leadership during the most perilous time in America's past. During the Civil War, that was fought between April of 1861 and April of 1865. Since its beginning, America has engaged in 12 wars. A civil war with an America between the Union in the North and the Confederacy in the South was the most devastating war of all of them, costing the lives of over 650,000, almost as many lives lost as in all the other 11 wars put together. But it was Abraham Lincoln who would make a proclamation that when it was followed, would bring the horror to an end, and finally, healing to the nation. I recently finished reading three best-selling books written by Christian author, leader, and speaker Jonathan Kahn. He's written several more books, which I've ordered. If you haven't read any of his work, I strongly encourage you to do so. You'll be amazed, most likely dumbfounded, by a lot of the stuff you learn. His first book is called The Harbinger. It has sold over two million copies, and you would want to read that one first. But today, I'll be quoting from the follow-up to The Harbinger, The Harbinger to The Return. I'll be drawing on some of the commentary found in chapter 31 entitled, The Winds of April. It's in this chapter that Khan focuses on some remarkable events that took place during the most critical hours of the Civil War and the role that President Lincoln played during those critical hours. The commentary begins this way. The war had turned farms into battlegrounds and cities into blood-covered devastations. As it approached its third year, the Union's prospects were looking grim, and there was no end in sight. With many in the North growing weary of the war, the danger of defection and the defeat of Lincoln's government, and thus the acceptance of the Confederacy succession was growing. And if that happened, the United States of America as we know it would have ceased to exist. But then, a stirring took place in the nation's capital based on a template 
given in the scriptures of a nation suffering the consequences of its sins and the promise of healing and restoration, the United States Senate called on President Lincoln to set forth a national day of prayer and repentance. And on March 30th, 1863, President Lincoln issued a proclamation calling the people of America to do what was set forth in 2 Chronicles 7:14, to humble themselves, to pray, to seek God's face, and to turn from their sinful ways, to repent. The proclamation ended in the hope of three blessings, that the nation's prayers would be heard on high, that God would grant the pardon of our national sins, and begin the restoration of our now divided and suffering country. They were the exact three blessings that were promised in that passage of Scripture and cited in the exact order in which they were given. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So in the darkest days of that war, Abraham Lincoln called the nation to come in prayer and repentance before God. Historians are in agreement as to what time marked the turning point of the Civil War. It was in July of 1863 with two battles, the most famous engagement of that war and the bloodiest ever fought in the Western Hemisphere, the Battle of Gettysburg, and the other, just as critical and decisive, the Battle of Vicksburg. They were both fought at the same time. The Battle of Gettysburg ended on July 3rd. The Battle of Vicksburg ended the next day. The turning point of the Civil War came in the first days of July of 1863. It would determine the victory of the Union, the defeat of the Confederacy, and the survival of the United States. The two gigantic victories took place only two months after the National Day of Prayer and Repentance took place at the end of April. But before those two battles were fought and won by the Union, something else had to happen. The campaign to take Vicksburg had been underway since the winter of the preceding year. General Ulysses S. Grant had made five attempts to take the city. All of them had failed. But in the spring of 1863, everything changed. As Grant led his men across the Mississippi River, and the next day won the first victory of the entire campaign. It was called the Battle of Port Gibson, the first of five victories that would lead to the taking of Vicksburg two months later. It was at Port Gibson that everything turned around. It was thus the turning point of the turning point of the Civil War. And when did it happen? It happened on May 1st, 1863. The National Day of Prayer and Repentance took place on April 30th, 1863. It happened the next day. Yes, the turning point of the turning point of the war, the day that led to the ending of the war and the healing of the land, took place on the day after the day of national prayer and repentance. In other words, April 30th, 
was the day of, if my people will humble themselves and pray. And May 1 was the day that set in motion, then I will heal their land. The very next day. Mm-hmm. And it all started with a president's proclamation on March 30th to set April 30th as the date for a national day of prayer and repentance. I was so taken back when I read the words of Lincoln's proclamation, and I feel so led to read them to you now. And here they are, Lincoln's words. Whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures, and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations, like individuals, are subject to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people? We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for mercy and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I do by this my proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all the people to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at their places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. End quote. Wow, wouldn't it be something if we had leaders 
who would repeat these same words today? It's been exactly 30 years since our time at the Lincoln Memorial, and right now in my mind's eye, I can picture Kathy and me staring upward at the grand statue of Abraham Lincoln and pondering in silence over all that he went through and especially over all that he stood for. We finally quietly turned around there at Abraham Lincoln's feet to look at Lincoln's view there in the distance, straight ahead of him, straight ahead of us. Down the full length of the National Mall was the world-famous United States Capitol building, the center of America's government. We would be walking through and touring that building for a few hours the following day. Dear friend, there is so much going on in my mind right now. If we were sitting across from each other, sipping on a hot cup of coffee or tea, I'm sure we could go on for hours about all that's happening in our world. But for now, here's what I believe I'm to finish with today. First, and you've heard this from me before, don't be afraid of what's going on around you and around the world. The mighty God who made the world, who made you and me, is our loving Father, and He is omnipotent. He rules over the nations, and He holds the power card in His right hand. And His supreme power is in us, because His Spirit lives within us. Remember 1 John 4.4? The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Second, we always need to be seekers of Him always in a posture of humility, so that we can continue to be transformed into His image. It's by seeking Him in a posture of humility that He hears from heaven and heals. Next, let's be a voice, a strong voice for Him, like Abraham Lincoln was. Let's be agents of hope and healing for those who are still living under the fire of the enemy. And finally, dear friend, we need to stand in the gap in prayer, praying daily for members of our family, our church, our workplace, our city, our nation, and nations all over the earth. Pray for more national days of prayer and pray for millions upon millions to humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their sinful ways. Because when that happens, he will hear from heaven He will forgive their sin, and He will heal their land. Dear Father in heaven, I've been listening to prophetic voices in this hour, and I'm hearing them say, there is soon to be a mighty outpouring of your Spirit upon your people all over the earth, an outpouring like never before in world history. Oh, dear Father, let it be. Oh, Holy Spirit, Let it be. Let it be. Thank you for listening to another episode of In Moments Like These with David Graham. And we hope that this podcast and this episode can be another tool and resource to help you in this walk of faith. If this podcast has made a difference in your life, we would love to hear from you. Visit us online at inmomentslikethese.com. That's inmomentslikethese.com. 